Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Rick Kiley. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. Are you glad to be in the house of the Lord this morning? Thank you. Praise God. Mark chapter 8. Mark chapter 8. Verse number 19. I thoroughly enjoy preaching in this church. God has been good to us. Thank you for your kind words recently concerning preaching. And you know what I always tell you, you get what you pray for. Thank you for praying for me. And while I'm thanking, uh, I'd like to echo what Brother Cordell said. Thank you so much for this past year and your gracious giving of tithes and offerings and mission and heart for the house and ministers and all the wonderful things you do for the families in this church. God bless you for that. Mark chapter 8 and verse number 19. Jesus is speaking to the disciples and he says, when I break the five loaves among the 5,000, how many baskets full of fragments took you up? They said unto him, 12. And when the seven among 4,000, how many baskets full of fragments took you up? They said, seven. And he said unto them, how is it that you do not understand? How is it that you do not understand? I believe a long time ago, God, God spoke to me about this very passage of scripture. And when they took up the fragments the first time with 12 disciples, they probably thought we should each have a basket, one basket apiece. That'd be deductive reasoning. But they got confused when he did the same miracle and there were seven baskets left. How are we gonna divide that amongst 12? How many of you can give me an answer right now as to how you would divide seven by 12. What would be the percentage? You can't, it's difficult for you, isn't it? But I believe that God was teaching them to advance in giving. And he was saying to them, you know, the first time you took all the baskets and I got nothing. But this time, Think about it. Understand what I'm trying to teach you. Divide a basket with your brother and give me the first one. The math will be easy then. Render unto Caesar what is Caesar's and unto God what is God's. Today I want to preach to you for a few minutes on this subject. It's not a waste. It's a memorial. It's not a waste. It's a memorial. God bless you. You may be seated. John chapter 12, verse number three. Then Mary took a pound of ointment of spikenard, very costly. She anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the odor of the ointment. Then saith one of his disciples, 
And here he is named in this incident, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, which should betray him. Why was not this ointment sold for 300 pence and given to the poor? This he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and he had the bag and bear what was put therein. And Jesus said, let her alone against the day of my burying hath she kept this. The poor you will always have with you, but me you have not always. In reading the accounts, you can come to some conclusions about what has just happened here with Jesus. Mary has given a precious gift, humbled herself beyond belief, wept at his feet, wiped her precious hair with, wiped her master's feet with her hair and given a year's wages for the ointment that others saw as being wasted. Think just for a moment at this particular time of year, here we are in a, we have our annual business meeting. Many of you are taking care of tax returns. Our friend Charles Hendricks is busier now than, more than ever. And take a look at what you made last year on UW2. What did you make this last year as, as a couple or even as an individual? Take that same amount of money and bring it to the Lord's feet and place it there. Would that be difficult to do? I would venture to say it would be very difficult to do. But Mary did it because she wanted to and because she was preparing him for his burial. She did not consider it a waste. And Judas, let's look at Judas. Judas didn't care about the poor. Judas cared about the bag. He was the treasurer of the group. He controlled the spending. The money was in his care and he wanted control of the money. He wanted control of the money. Is there anybody in this sanctuary that wants control over everything that they have? Probably are. I have learned that we are constantly being tested by God. Every day of our lives, we are tested with two things. We are tested with the way that we spend time, which reveals our priorities, and we are tested with the way that we spend whatever monies we have, which reveals our values. So the way you spend your time reveals your priorities, and the way you spend your money reveals your values. If you look at the same account in Matthew chapter 26 and verse number eight, it reads this way. When his disciples saw it, they had indignation saying, to what purpose is this waste? They use the word waste here. This ointment might have been sold for much and given to the poor. When Jesus understood it, he said unto them, why do you trouble the woman? She wrought a good work upon me. The poor you have always with you, but me you have not always. For in that she poured this ointment on my body, she did it for my burial. Verily I say unto you, wheresoever this gospel shall be preached in the whole world, 
There shall also this that this woman hath done be told for a memorial of her. And here we are, 2,000 years later, still talking about the sacrifice of Mary. One man said, this is a waste. And Jesus said, it is a memorial. Now you're gonna come across some people that are gonna say, well, you know, you give too much money to the church. That is a waste. I want you to know it is not a waste. And most specifically, it is a memorial. I did a little research in preparing for this message and I, I wanna give you some facts. These are some facts. I wanna talk about waste for a minute. Let's see as Americans how much we waste. Here are the latest statistics according to 2014. This is for America, the United States of America. In 2014, we spent $125 billion in casino gambling. All the figures that I'm going to give you are going to stagger you because they're in the billions, billions. Lottery tickets, $70 billion. Drugs that we're aware of, $100 billion. How about alcohol? Alcohol is a $90 billion business. Do you know that accident insurance costs from alcohol-related accidents, $37 billion per year? Want to know why your car insurance is so high? Do you know that in every two hours, three people will die from drunk drivers? Four million Americans in 2014 admitted that they had driven at one time or another under the influence of alcohol. Four million Americans. And how about smoking? 2014, 264 billion cigarettes were smoked Cigarettes and 13 billion cigars were smoked. Medical expenses for smoking-related diseases, you want to take a guess? $170 billion medical expenses. Lost wages from the same diseases, $150 billion dollars. Who's wasting money? Where is the waste in America? I remember having a friend, his name, I'll just give you his first name. I worked at Pittsburgh Paint, his name, first name was Julio. I invited Julio to church. And finally, Julio, who was an elderly man, came to church. He came on a Sunday morning. And he seemed happy. When I went back to work on Monday morning, there was Julio. And Julio was at his workstation and he had a large group of people around him and he was the center of attention. He was doing all the talking. Well, I was on my way to my workstation and he said, hey, Richie, come over here. I want to talk to you for a minute. 
So I went over there and he said, you know, Richie, he said, I really like your church. This was Parkway back then. I really liked your church on Sunday morning. Boy, you got the most beautiful women. They are so attractive, neat and clean, and they look good. I really like that. But he said, you know why I will not go to your church again? I said, why is that, Julio? He said, because you guys believe that you should give God the first 10%. I know give God the first 10%. And just like that, the Lord spoke to me and said, Julio, the church you go to, you give a whole lot more than 10%. He said, well, what do you mean? I said, you smoke? You drink? You hack all day? You miss a lot of work from smoking and drinking. You spend a lot more money to your God than I do to mine. And I've got my health. And what have you got for what you've spent? You are wasting yourself. This is what people call, I got wasted last weekend. You bragging about getting wasted? You wasted your money? You wasted your health? And now you're sick? Christians get up on Sunday morning, they don't have a hangover. They're not bowing down to a porcelain goddess. Their head's not throbbing. They don't have to worry about getting pulled over by the police. Who's wasting what? And let's take a look at Judas, since he didn't get the money in the bag. Let's go to Matthew 26 and 14. Then one of the 12 called Judas Iscariot went into the high priests and said unto them, because the money was not put in the bag, what will you give me? And I will deliver him unto you. And they covenanted with him for 30 pieces of silver, and from that time he sought opportunity to betray him. Hmm. See, Judas loved money more than he loved his master. Judas wasted the money that was put in the bag for Jesus and for the disciples. He wasted it. And when he was not allowed to waste a year's wages, he turned on his master. First Timothy 6 and 10 says, the love of money is the root of all evil. The love of money. What will people do for a buck? 20 bucks, 100 bucks, 1,000 bucks. It's amazing how people will sell their reputation for money. Love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Don't love money more than you love your master. Every good and perfect gift comes from above. 
everything you've got, you have because God has allowed you to have it. Well, I, I got a good job and I make a lot of money. What would you be like if you had a stroke? God put you in that position. We had a testimony service on Wednesday night. One young man stood up and said, I've been out of work for quite a while. But they called me on, listen, this is amazing to me. But they called me on a Sunday to tell me that they wanted me to come back to work. Who calls somebody on a Sunday to tell them to come to work on Monday? I'll tell you who, somebody that heard from God. Somebody that was moved on by God to say, you call this young man and you call him now and you tell him that he's not only got a job but that you're gonna provide him with lots of overtime. He's going to be able to make up what he's lost over the previous months. What is that about? It's about somebody praying and saying, God, I need your help. I need to go back to work. And God saying, okay, hey, you over here. Send that guy to work and call him right now. God makes the connections. It's not just what you know. It's who you know. And if you know him, he'll take care of you. He'll move on people. Maybe it even happened in church, for all I know. The guy went to church and God spoke to him and said, when you get home, call this guy. Isn't it great to know that God's looking out for you 24-7 and supplies all your needs according to his riches and glory? Matthew chapter 12. Jesus pays attention to waste and memorials. He does. We should not listen. I'll go back to the feeding of the 5,000 and the 4,000. Everybody ate and everybody was full, right? And what does he say? Go gather the fragments. Don't waste my blessing. Oh. Don't waste my blessing, even though you're full right now. Don't waste anything. Do you know that the disciples, when they told the story, didn't only tell the story about the multitudes being fed, they told also that they received a blessing after everyone was full. We need to declare what the Lord has done for us, folks. How he's brought us through and provided for us. And even if it gets dark, we need to have a memory and a memorial as to what God has done in our lives. I remember Joshua. Remember when they crossed the, crossed the Jordan River and God said, Joshua, I want you to tell those guys to take one stone from each of the 12 tribes and I want you to put it on the opposite shore. And Joshua said, all right, Lord, that's what you want, that's what we'll do. And they put the stones over there and they said, why are we doing this, Joshua? And Joshua said, well, first of all, God told me to tell you to do this. And second of all, he said it would be a memorial for our children. And when they come and look at this rock pile on this side of the Jordan River as we enter into the promised land, they're going to say, what's this rock pile about? 
And you're going to be able to say, well, the Jordan River was flooding its banks in the spring and we were not able to get across, but the priest took the ark and when they stepped into the water, God divided the river and allowed us all to cross over. That's what this is all about. That's what God told Joshua to do. But you know what God didn't tell Joshua to do? He didn't tell him to put 12 stones in the middle of the river. Joshua did that on his own. He said, I'm not only going to do what God has asked me to do. I'm going to go beyond that. I'm going to put 12 stones in the river right where the priests and the ark were standing, right in the middle of the river. Why would you do that? When the water gets too high, you won't be able to see the rocks anyway. Well, I'll tell you why. Because we need to have a memorial in the middle of our trials. Not just on the other side. We need to remember that God was with us even when we didn't feel him, even when we didn't hear him. He was an ever-present help in a time of need. Build memorials in the middle of your trial. Build memorials in the middle of your trial. All the trials that we've been through. But here we are. Still standing, aren't we? Mark chapter 12 and verse 41. Listen, Jesus pays attention. Jesus sat over against the treasury. I think the people were bringing their their tithes and their offerings to the altar one day and Jesus decided, I'm gonna sit up in the front up there where I can see what's going on. And he beheld how the people cast money into the treasury and many that were rich cast in much. And there was a certain poor widow and she threw in two mites, which make a farthing. And he called unto his disciples, and he started teaching them again, always teaching. Verily I say unto you, this poor widow has cast more in than all they which have cast into the treasury. For all they did cast in of their abundance, but she of her want did cast in all that she had even all her living. Jesus pays attention to the treasury and most importantly, he pays attention to the spirit of the people that cast in. Did you hear that? He said there were, yeah, I saw people coming up and they they brought large gifts. They brought out of their abundance. I got plenty. I can afford to give this up. I I won't even miss this. I'm so wealthy. But here comes a little old widow, probably walking real slow. Puts in her two mites, turns and walks away. And Jesus said, she wanted to do that. Even though that was all She had. She wanted to do that. I'm going to tell you something. I'm glad to be able to give. And if we ever get to the point where we get an attitude, a bad attitude about giving, God can turn the spigot off like that. Just like that. Wow. You see, God loves a cheerful giver. 
He does. Second Corinthians chapter nine and verse six. This I say, he that soweth sparingly, are we still talking about Pentecost? <laughs> shall reap sparingly. He that soweth bountifully shall reap bountifully. Every man according as he purposes in his heart. So let him give, not grudgingly, or of necessity. For God loves a cheerful giver. You know why God loves a cheerful giver? Because he is one. For God so loved the world. Anybody remember that verse of scripture? God is a giver. And he gives generously. And he loves a cheerful giver. But it starts in the heart. It starts in the heart. You can always tell when God really has the heart of a person because he's also got their wallet. And if he doesn't have their wallet, he doesn't have their heart. God should be able at any time to be, to be able to speak to us and say, Rick, I want you to do this. I want you to give this. Well, that's not in the budget. What budget? Your budget? What about my budget? Am I not able, have I not taken care of you? Can you not trust me to do what I ask you to do? Our faithful giving creates memorials God that he he will not look over he will not look over here's a good example Acts chapter 10 verse 1 there was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius a centurion of the band called the Italian band he was a devout man this man is not saved let me say that from the beginning he's not saved he hadn't been baptized. He hasn't received the Holy Ghost. He, he doesn't know anything about any of that stuff. But he's devout. He fears God. He teaches his household to do the same. He gives much alms to the people. And he's a prayer warrior. Sounds like a pretty good guy to me. I think he could put some of us to shame. He saw a vision evidently about the ninth hour of the day, an angel of God coming in unto him and saying unto him, Cornelius. And he looked on him and he was afraid and he said, well, what is it, Lord? And he said unto him, I've noticed that praying and I've noticed that given and it's built up to the point that it is a memorial that I can't look over anymore. Thy prayers and thy alms are come up for a memorial before God. See, here's where we miss it. We think that we're giving to a church or a congregation. We're not giving to a church and a congregation. We're giving through a church 
or through a congregation. We're giving to God. That's the way you need to look at it. We're looking at it from the wrong way. And one thing you don't want to do is you don't want to get your hand caught in God's pocket. Stealing anything that belongs to him. Can I get an amen to that? If it belongs to God and if God asks for it and you give it, you are giving up. Otherwise, you are just giving out. Don't give out. Give up. Give up to God. God sees this. Giving is really a gift. It is a gift of love to someone else with no strings attached. I don't pay my tithes. I give of my tithes. I don't pay offerings. I don't pay a debt to Heart for the House. I give to the Heart for the House. I give to missions. Can anybody say amen? You you gotta stop thinking of this as a bill or a debt. We get to give because we've already received. Giving is not a trade. It's not a trade. Well, you know what, Lord, you gave me something and now uh, I'm giving back to you and we're even. We're even now. That's not giving, that's trading. Giving, giving is not a bribe. Well, you know, Lord, a preacher got up there and said, you know, if I do this and I do that, then you're gonna do this. You're gonna bless me and I'm going to get a whole lot more than 10% back because you're going to bless me. So, okay, God, here's here's your 10%. Now, I expect a lot more back. That's a bribe. You're trying to bribe God? You can't bribe God. And again, there's a spirit that goes with giving. And God loves a cheerful giver. Don't, Don't try and bribe God. And... And don't try and make an investment either. Now, I think, that, I think that the trustee board should be accountable for the finances of the church. That's what you elected them to do, and they should give you a report. Is that, is that good? Is that a good thing? I think it is. A steward should be able to give an account of his stewardship. You should give an account to God, The trustee board should give an account to you. But never look at it as, I'm investing. What's the return on my investment? How much am I going to get back if I give this much? That's not giving. That's investing. Let me give you another example. God moves on you and says, Brother Burningham, Give Brother Stepanovich 50 bucks. Tell him to take his family out to lunch or whatever it is. Just give him 50 bucks. Here's 50 bucks. The Lord told me to give you 50 bucks. He says thanks. <laughs> but he sees because he feels like Brother Stepanovich really needs the money and God told him to give it to him. So Brother Stepanovich 
goes over to Thunder Bay. Thunder Bay, a real nice restaurant, a little fancy, a little pricey. Goes to Thunder Bay and just had a big time. Maybe even took a friend with him. Now, Brother Barningham says, whoa, I thought you were having a hard time paying your bills. Now you go and blow this money that I just gave you. I'll never give you anything again. You didn't give it. You invested it. You told him. You you didn't even tell him how you wanted him to spend it, but he didn't spend it the way you wanted. And so now you're mad at him. If you can't give something and let go of it, don't give it. If you can't loan something to somebody and be prepared not to get it back, don't give it. Because you're going to get an attitude. I don't think they should have spent this or I don't think they should have spent that. They shouldn't have done it that way. I put a lot of money in here. You've invested. You should just give up. We had a we had a very interesting conversation at the end of our meeting here at 8 o'clock this morning with the trustee board. And I, I won't tell you who, but somebody said something that, that to me was profound. They said, you know, pastor, we're going to get up there and we're going to give them a report. This is what came in. This is what went out. This is how we spent it. And quite frankly, most of them probably don't care because it's gone. But what are we going to do for the future? What's the future of abundant life? What things are we going to project positively as to how we're going to accomplish great things for the kingdom of God and great things for this assembly? What's the the plan? What's the vision? That's what we want to talk about with the remaining time that I have with you today. Now, I, I, at the end of this year, I cast a vision. December the 31st, I know many of you were not here. That's why we left it in the foyer. I told you what my vision was. You can still pick it up. It's still back there on the information center. But now I'm going to give you some numerical visionary goals for Abundant Life this year. You ready? This is what I believe God wants us to do. I remember our Christmas program this year. How many of you remember the Christmas program? I don't know how you guys are going to do better than that next year, but man, that was an awesome program. I was still singing. I came to practice and I was crying. And then on that Sunday morning, it was just awesome. And I wrote down 12 words. And I still remember them months later. Here they are. Song number one was, don't be afraid, God has a plan. Remember that? Don't be afraid, God has a plan. And song number two, God always keeps his promises. You remember that? The 12 words? Don't be afraid. God has a plan. God always keeps his promises. So now let me give you some numerical goals. And you're going to leave here with a positive attitude this morning. 
a positive attitude about this. I would like to introduce Project 239. Project 239. Project 239 comes from Acts chapter 2 and verse number 39. You see, we have certain obligations, which I've talked about, but God keeps his promises. And so we're going to call this Project 239. Acts 2 and 39 says, the promise is unto you and to the next generation, to your children, and to those that are afar off, that's the community. As many as the Lord our God shall call, that's the church. So we have a you, we have your children, we have a community, and we have a church that all receive the promise, the promises of God. That's why we're calling it Promise 239. Promise 239. Recently, we signed a three-year note with the bank. We didn't have a choice. We signed a three-year note with a bank in which they increased our interest rate from 6.5 to 6.75, which was an increase of almost $400 a month on our mortgage, which makes it well over $25,000 per month. Now, you're not going to want to hear this, but you need to hear it. Last year, at $25,000 a month times 12 months, we paid $70,000 against the principal of our loan while we paid $230,000 worth of interest. $230,000 worth of interest. That doesn't make you very happy, does it? Doesn't make me very happy. But we talked about this in our, in our board meeting and Brother Barningham went out and he went after it and he's gonna share some exciting thoughts with you. So Brother Barningham, come up and share with us what, what you've discovered and how we can turn this around. Praise the Lord. First of all, if, if I can have a minute. Uh, yes, a couple years ago, the, the board made a, a conscious effort to go and hire a full-time assistant as church administrator. Anybody noticed any difference? Um, I'll tell you what, the last thing I want this man to be is burdened down worrying about the day-to-day runnings of the church. We've taken that off of him. Thank you. We put it on Russ Cordell. Thank you. Praise God. Brother Russ Cornell has been doing a great job. Yes, sir. And he is. speaking from the board, he has taken a load off of us and taken a load off of our pastor. And now our meetings are okay. This is in order. That's in order. Let's get on with business. That's how this came about. We're able to we're able to get on some of that stuff. Um, and the other big help is is Charles. He Amen. Uh, Charles Charles knows a principle that if you give, you never want. Mm-hmm. If you want, you're never given. Right. Charles gives. He's constantly at our meetings when we need him. He's here today. He won't, like Pastor Kylie said earlier, he will not take payment. And uh, praise God. Amen. To get praise okay. God. Thank you, Charles. Brother Kylie shared with you that last year we paid 
$230,000 in interest. Any of you that have a home or a business know that interest pulls itself up to the table every meal and wants to eat. Whether you can afford it or not, it wants to eat every month. And the bank is never going to come to you with a little secret that's out there, but there is a way to knock that down. Uh, on a smaller note, because sometimes when we get into real big numbers, it just kind of gets blurry, but if you take a $100,000 mortgage and you pay 6% interest on it, and let your payment comes out to $625 for 15 years, and you take that $625 and roll it up to $700, which is doable. What's that, two Culver's meals or something? You know, which is doable. You just shave two and a half years off your mortgage and save $25,000 in interest. Praise God. Now, when we ran the numbers on our mortgage at the $3 million, and we're at $25,000 a month payment, like Pastor Kylie said, and we've went back and looked the last few months, this has been doable. If we roll that into a $30,000 a month payment, 20, do you have that exhibit up there? Praise God. Is that the right one? Put the next one up. Uh, that is the correct one. If we roll it over to $30,000, which is 20, 000, or 20% more each month, that knocks six years off our mortgage. And you ready for this? saves the church a million dollars. Wow. A million dollars. We shave our mortgage in a third, take a third off of it. What can this church and this community do with that kind of money? What kind of outreach can we have and when we're not burdened down with the debt? And if you don't think debt can be a burden and, it's, and, and becomes anti-spiritual, have you ever sat at your kitchen table with a pile of debt and not know how to pay it off? That, that gets real, real burdensome. We are trying to release that and with your help, we're going to do that. I don't doubt for one minute, and I don't think anybody else here does, God could send a millionaire or a billionaire through that front door right now and just take care of this. He has chosen not to do that. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're all God needs. You're all God needs. We are the millionaires and the billionaires that are going to take care of this, and with your help, we're going to do it. And if God sends a millionaire through that door, we'll take him. Praise God. We'll give him his own pew. We'll give him a parking spot, whatever. But right now, we, we are the ones that are going to take care of this. And with your help, we can do this. And this is positive. This is forward. This, is, this frees up a lot of things, folks. A lot of things. And it frees up our pastor. Praise God. Awesome. That was awesome. A million dollars. So let me conclude today with this. Bullet points. Here's my projected numerical goals for the next three years. The next three years. We need to increase our congregation by at least 50 people. Over the next three years, that's very doable. Number two, we need to increase our tithing members. Now this is gonna scare you a little bit. We currently have about 35% of our people tithing. What if we went over the next three years from 35 to 60% of our people tithing? That's a goal. Number three, what if we increased heart for the house? You know, tithing gives everybody equal giving. Did you know that? From God's eyes, everybody's giving equally if they give their first 10%. What if we did the same thing with the heart for the house and we said, let's make it a goal to give 5% to heart for the house. That's gonna help us get to that extra 5,300 as well. 
Do you know that in the west wing of this building currently, I'm talking about west of the cafeteria. By the way, there's a bake sale today, I think, for the ladies. (laughs) Stop at the cafeteria, support Mother's Memorial, there you go. Now, west of there, we have a gymnasium. We are renting that gymnasium. This last year, we took in $18,000 in rent for the gym. When we're not using it, when we're not using it, if we're using it, they can't use it. That's almost a payment. Charles informed us at our last trustee meeting that the childcare facility gave $50,000 to the church last year. When you include all of their giving, $50,000. That's two payments. Two payments are coming from the daycare. So if two payments are coming from the daycare and almost one is coming from the rental of the gymnasium, what if we went from three payments, which we currently are close to, to four? From three to four, that increases too. We want to increase everywhere. The word here is increase. Increase the west wing from three to four. And finally, here's another point. What if we were to say script? the auctions that we put on, and even the ministries of our church were willing to say, we're gonna take a part of our budget and we're gonna go after paying off this mortgage. And we could get one payment out of those three groups, script, the auction that we have, support it, bring people to it. And ministries kicked in and we got another payment. That would be huge. I think that we could go beyond even what Brother Brother Barningham just shared with us if we would do these things that I'm mentioning. Okay, I'm gonna say it one more time because it's very important. Over the next three years, let's increase by 50. Let's increase our tithing from 35 to 60% of our congregation. Let's increase heart heart for the house to 5% of our offerings. Let's increase the West Wing from three to four payments. And let's increase script and the auction and ministry giving by one more payment. I don't know about you, but I'd sure like to get rid of this mortgage. And we can do this. We can do this together. Not equal gifts, but equal sacrifice. You've heard the message. Well, I don't have much to give. Jesus knows what you can give. And he stands at the treasury. You do whatever God tells you to do and whatever the scripture says. And God will keep all of his promises. Don't be afraid. Now we've got a plan. And God always keeps his promises. Let's stand together. I don't know about you, but I'd probably waste some money. Not wasting it on alcohol and gambling and all those other things. But I don't want to waste the fragments of God's blessings. I want to be sure that he gets the first and that I'm sharing with my brother. Can you say amen? And your giving 
is not a waste. It is a memorial before God. Jesus, thank you for this congregation and their willingness to be used of you and the blessings that you've given us. You have fed the multitudes. We're still eating, we're still clothed, we're still housed. Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262-965-5177 or email us at info at abundantlifechurch.org.